Assalamu alaikum and welcome to this episode of the Mindful Muslim podcast. On this episode, I will be speaking to Brother Adam and Brother Hamza. Adam shares his experience of mental health issues, including OCD, anxiety and depression and intrusive thoughts. And Hamza, who is an imam and Islamic teacher, will share his wisdom. Inshallah, you find this a useful podcast. Assalamu alaikum, Adam and Hamza, thank you so much for joining me on the Mindful Muslim podcast this morning. How are you? Adam, should we start with you? Okay, alhamdulillah. Um, <laughs> wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me on. Alhamdulillah, it's a morning and I'm happy to be here. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Hamza, how are you? How are you doing? I know you're not um, in the UK at the moment. Yes, yes. I'm not actually in the UK at the moment. Uh, I'm in Saudi Arabia, alhamdulillah. And uh, yeah, I'm in Mecca. So hopefully this uh, this will help with the blessings of this this uh, <laughs> inshallah inshallah so um adam you have been on the uh, podcast before and some of our listeners um and viewers may be may remember you for, from our chat before but um i wonder if you're able to just um for people that don't know who you are introduce yourself let us know uh what you do cool um so i've been i've been, I've been around with the spirits and minds for quite a long time now alhamdulillah um the main thing which i do around mental health is probably OCD, an OCD advocate and a mental health advocate, kind of just speaking about my own experiences through struggles of mental health, the difficulties that I've overcome and still have to kind of overcome and my um, challenges and experience through therapy and seeking treatment um, from the, I guess, the traditional um, methods of seeking ther therapy, but also the Islamic side and how both the spiritual and the, um, I guess, the the medical side of both helped me inshallah oh, but yeah alhamdulillah hamza same question to you although you have been on the um mindful muslim podcast before it would be it would be brilliant if you um told us who you are bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim alhamdulillah rabbil alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa muhammad um alhamdulillah i'm a student uh, here in saudi arabia uh, i study in the islamic university of medina uh, probably heard of it if not it's basically a university in which students all around the world come to Medina, to this university, and they study Islamic studies in order to have a good understanding of the religion from authentic sources. And then the idea is for these students to go back to where they came from and to teach their people anything that they've learned in in uh, Medina. So that's uh, where I am not right now, alhamdulillah. Other than that, alhamdulillah, I was, I was born and raised in uh, London. Um, mm. So, uh, alhamdulillah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be in Medina. And um, hopefully, inshallah, I'll, I'll see you guys here soon. Beautiful. I mean, um, I have to say, Hamza, it sounds like an amazing journey you're on. And um, I'd love to hear both of your opinions on, on my first question. It's all about um, whether you think it's important to actually study Islam and have knowledge of Islam and the Quran and uh, you know the reasons behind that in your own experience uh, that would be amazing Adam should we start with you cool um <clears throat> alhamdulillah um I I would say it's essential to for every Muslim to study Islam and seek knowledge in firstly understanding our religion and understanding 
basically our purpose of existence. Um, and if we tie that generally into the, into the, into mental health, when we go through a struggle or a hardship, we always kind of relate back. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And we understand that Allah is in charge of everything. The color the color that he has, um, has ordained upon us is, is, is our story in this life. And once we understand our reasons of existence, we kind of can take these, um, these steps to manage hardships better. So essentially it's just understanding our purpose here and anything that comes with that and any seeking knowledge around Islam and um, our purpose of existence will 100% help with um, any other trial, hardship or anything that comes into your life. And Hamza, same question to you about about the importance of studying and, and Islam and, and seeking that knowledge. And obviously for you, it's, it's uh, you know, particularly per pertinent because you are in, in in Mecca right now and seeking that knowledge so I suppose it would be interesting if maybe you delved a little into why it was so in so sort of important to you to, to take that step and, and continue your studies you know outside of the UK as well yeah uh, first of all I really want to um, agree with Adam subhanAllah you know when people say I want to seek knowledge or they're seeking knowledge um, not many people will think about this point that Adam made you know when you have Islamic knowledge you're able to deal with the afflictions, the hardships, the struggles that you go through better in your life. Because that's exactly what you learn. For example, uh, you know, the dua that the Nabi Sallallahu the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu taught us when you're afflicted by something. You know, it's stuff like that. If you knew, if you studied Islamic knowledge, those hardships will be that bit easier on you. So, yeah, that, that's just an amazing point. I, I definitely agree with Adam. Other than that, um, Look, there's a hadith in Nabi Sallallahu which he said, Whoever traverses the path of knowledge, whoever takes the path of knowledge, seeking Islamic knowledge, Allah SWT will make the path to Jannah easier for him. Like, wouldn't anyone, any of us, like, we want to go to Jannah. And for that path to Jannah to be, make easy, to be made easy, sorry. And it's like, it's a no-brainer. So, alhamdulillah, that is a... Me personally, that is one of the the hadiths um, that pushed me to seek knowledge, and also one of the reasons why uh, we seek Islamic knowledge is to remove ignorance, remove you know this ignorance of our religion, firstly from ourselves. You know, we we want to know about our religion, and then from other people. You know, we can teach each other and help each other grow stronger in religion uh, together. Alhamdulillah. Mm, mashallah. Um, beautiful answers. Completely, completely agree with you both. Um, I think for me, I, I, I do just want to add that for me, learning about the Quran and Islam also just teaches me so much about myself. You know, I feel like it's a reflection of, of ourselves at times as well. And, um, and also just building that bond with your creator and actually talking, talking to him. And I think that's all sort of part and parcel with the whole, seeking knowledge you know better understanding yourself and who you are and also your creator at the same time so um absolutely a no-brainer uh, i completely agree with you um i guess my next question um if we start with you hamza there's i think there's a certain kind of um view that perhaps students of knowledge like yourself um are seen as perhaps role models or representatives of Islam. What's your take on that? Um, what has that been like for you? Um, do you often tra travel? Do you, do you sort of get that experience of 
coming back into the UK and, and going back to Saudi Arabia? Have you done that? So you've seen sort of people's views of you, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, first of all, there's two ayats in the Quran, two verses in the Quran that speaks about this. The first one is in Surah Tawbah. Allah says, فَلَوْلَا نَفَرَ مِنْ كُلِّ فِرْقَةٍ مِنْهُمْ طَائِفَةٌ لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَلِيُنْذِرُوا قَوْمَهُمْ إِذَا رَجْعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَحْذَرُ Allah SWT says, if only there was a small party of people from each uh, people, so from each, uh, you can say nowadays, countries or villages, that they go away from their village or they go away from their places and they seek knowledge so that they can return to their people and remind them or tell them about Islam, teach them about Islam. The other ayah uh, is Allah subhanahu wa raises two types of people. He tells us in this ayah. The first type are the Muslims. You know, the fact that we have this thing called Iman, we have faith and we have our pillars of our religion and we have our religion that raises us as Muslims. And the second thing that raises us as Muslims is seeking Islamic knowledge. So no doubt about it, we have, uh, as, as a, a scholar or a student of knowledge, you have a responsibility. And first of all, to act upon the knowledge yourself. You know, what's the point of seeking knowledge, but you don't act upon it. And then the second thing is to teach that knowledge. You know, as, as a scholar, um, recently I saw some scholars a couple of weeks ago in Kuwait. And one of the main advices they gave me is zakki ilmak, meaning pay zakat on your ilm. You know, teach your, teach your knowledge. Because that is, you know, we're trying to work together to remove knowledge from ourselves. Mm. Yes, definitely, there's a massive responsibility to remove sorry, ignorance from ourselves. But yeah, it is a massive responsibility. Um, but it's something we have to kind of clinch at and grasp, you know, and, and just go for it. Amazing, amazing. Um, I, I think, um, I wonder if there might be also some, some thoughts about people who have knowledge and, 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 and who study Islam, you know, and, and we see them as people who have a high level of Iman, but, you know, should we be assuming that perhaps they don't go through mental health difficulties? This is a, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you, because this is an extremely, extremely important point. Um, many, of, unfortunately, many of us don't really understand uh, this point uh, clearly. First of all, our Iman increases and decreases it goes up and down you know and the scholars of islam they said uh, such as bukhari he mentions that islam increases or your iman your faith increases when you do good deeds you feel like ah, i feel like a strong good muslim but when you do bad deeds it decreases but the question is if we know it increases and decreases how do we weigh up the hadith in Nabi Sallallahu which he said that all of Bani Adam are sinners and the best of sinners are the ones who repent to Allah. So we know that we're going to sin. We know that there may be a decrease in our Iman. Uh, the question is how to, you know, work with that. So definitely, you know, religious people, you can say, you know, for example, um, any Muslim who prays five times a day and you know, does the five main pillars of Islam, you know, they're going to feel a, a decrease in, in, in their Iman. Even if they're a scholar, they're going to feel, feel uh, this uh, uh, decrease. Uh, as well as mental health issues, that's something else as well. You know, decrease in demand is one thing. Mental health issues, you know, it's not only for, you know, you can say non-practicing people. That's absolute rubbish. You know, if you're talking about, for example, sadness and grief, uh, 
and there was a whole year in the seerah and its name is Am al huzn the year of sadness in the life of Muhammad mm-hmm. in the life of our Prophet Muhammad peace and praise be upon him why is that? it's because his, his, uh, his wife died one of the closest people to him his uncle who helped him a lot uh, when he became a Prophet uh, helped him a lot and he passed away in that same year you know, it was very difficult for the Prophet Muhammad So he went through that sadness. He went through that grief, you can say. And if someone says, oh, you know, knowledgeable people don't go through sadness and grief, then what about the Prophet Muhammad who is the Prophet of all of these knowledgeable people? He's the Prophet of this, this Ummah, this community. Mm-hmm. So the Day of Judgment will be from his, uh, from his community, you can say, from his Ummah. Mm-hmm. So no, it definitely happens to everyone. Um, I just might like to uh, uh, make a note here that there is a, obviously, as you know, a difference between depression and sadness. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I've heard uh, some people saying that Muhammad Sallam went through depression, but we can't actually call it depression. Uh, the closest thing we can say is that it was sadness and grief. And I'm sure, like, for most people, if, if your spouse has passed away, if someone close in your family had passed away, you do go through this grief and and sadness Mm, absolutely um i guess i'd love to delve a little bit more into uh the islam quran and and mental health as well but before i do so hamza just another question about your experience in terms of um seeking knowledge outside of the uk um when when and how if you're happy to share did that sort of come about and it would be amazing if you could just share your experience uh so far um of, of of what it's what it's what it's been like for you studying away from i guess from family as well or uh yeah first of all i want to say that i'm not a scholar i'm far from a scholar and i'm, I'm nowhere where i should be and i'm nowhere close to where i need to be that's first of all um but we all try we all try and seeking knowledge um, and it takes time you know uh the scholars they have like a principle the scholars of the past, they had a principle. You can say like the Salaf, the pious predecessors. They said, Man la yarhal, la yurhal Man la yarhal, la yurhal You know, someone who hasn't traveled for knowledge. He hasn't left his city and he hasn't left his comforts to travel elsewhere and seek knowledge from scholars in another city or another country. Then it's, he is not worthy of traveling to. Meaning, for example, if you want to seek knowledge and you say, oh, there's a scholar here, or there's a student of knowledge here. And you go to them, but you find out, you know, they haven't actually left their city or left their country to seek knowledge elsewhere. The scholars, they say, you know, he's not someone really should take be taking knowledge. This is not for everyone, of course, um, but it is general principle. Um, if you, for example, live in Medina, like Imam Malik did, you know, Imam Malik is Imam Malik. You know, we don't need to uh, <laughs> virtues, but he lives in he lived in Medina. He was born in Medina. And he passed away in Medina. Husband had a mercy on him, and he was surrounded by scholars. So, someone like that, for example, does he need to go out and just to make sure that he fits into this principle? No, but generally, this principle is, is uh, the principle of the scholars. Uh, I started seeking knowledge, um, at a fairly young age uh, in the UK, um, and uh, one person I really did benefit from, and, and I know. Uh, Brother Adam has benefited a lot from him as well as Sheikh mm-hmm. Muhammad Tawrani. 
شيخ محمد طراوني ان ارابيك وشيخ محمد طراوني ان انجلش ايفن في الصراع ما يلا سبحان الله انكريسم ان بروفيجن ما شاء الله helped us a lot you know with شيخ محمد it's not just with knowledge he's uh, he's giving you he's teaching you but it is like a a tarbiyah you know it is like a, an islamic education you're not just learning the knowledge you're learning the tatbiq you know how to act upon this knowledge how to call people to islam in a in a way that is wise and a way that is gentle so he was mashallah and he still is a big role model for i'm sure both of us added yeah mashallah definitely um then alhamdulillah i went to egypt studied there for a while returned back to the uk came here alhamdulillah i came to medina 2019 um, and alhamdulillah two weeks ago i spent about a week in in kuwait just to meet the scholars in kuwait and meet a few of our uh, brothers there alhamdulillah so yeah that, that's uh very briefly alhamdulillah. amazing um i guess my next question is to hear a little bit more about your experience or your work within uh, with other muslims um, what sort of common mental health uh, problems, let's say, have you come across the most? Um, is it, do you think, just very uh, typical um, and and similar to general statistics that we hear about, you know, uh, not just Muslims, I mean, uh, people in the UK or worldwide, um, do you, do you think that's a that's a sort of accurate way of, of summing it up that actually the the common um mental health uh, problems worldwide also affect muslims in those kind of numbers let's say i think definitely uh, as we said before muslims are going through mental health issues you know this it's unfortunate that um some of our uh, individuals in our communities aren't or in our community sorry are not accepting it, but it's it's a fact, it's a reality that Muslims do go through uh, what you can say are modern day uh, mental health issues. Um, and as you guys know best, I mean, there's, there's lots of different types of uh, mental health issues to have. You know, it's not just put into one basket. You know, it's, it's really quite um, detailed, some ways complicated. You know, I, I personally know people who have had mental health issues, but they they're having a hard time to just name what they they are going through you know so that's the first thing you know we have to understand that there is something called mental health in the muslim community but alhamdulillah such as, uh, you know you have inspirited minds and other organizations that are uh working on on, on this and, and trying to teach mm-hmm. the people that you know trying to help the people so maybe towards uh, everyone behind the scenes and and in front of the scenes you can say um, in in spirited minds and anyone else who is really trying to help the Muslims in this regard. Um, me personally, the you can say the type of mental health that uh, issue that I have come across the most in the Muslim community is grief, um, as we mentioned before, and that is something that is always going to happen because we we're all going to die. Specifically related to a loved a loved uh, one's death, um, we're, all, we're all going to die. So. Regularly, we have uh, our grandmas or our uncles or our parents, or sometimes uh, may Allah protect us from such a fitting. Sometimes our children may pass away, you know, or people who are younger than us in our family or our close friends. Um, 
and we're all going to die. So me personally, this is what I've seen uh, mm. at the most opportunities. Thank you. And Adam, it would be great if you're if you're happy to share a little bit more about your own personal experiences of anxiety. How did that show up for you? Um, depression and OCD. It would be great to just hear um, at this point your your experiences of those of those um, problems. Yeah, definitely. So my everyone's probably from the previous podcast probably know about the, my OCD um, kind of journey and anxiety and, and all these other mental mental health um, issues. Um, the way it came up was just randomly, if I'm honest, it just happened one day like it. I um, it just got more severe and severe over time. Mm. Um, and the ways that I managed it was obviously, alhamdulillah, seeking a therapist. I saw a Muslim therapist and alhamdulillah, bless her and bless my mom for like basically saving my life for for helping me find that um find that like path to actually heal through that through that and manage it a lot better alhamdulillah um but in terms of like kind of practical things that have helped me in terms of anxiety and ocd all these things firstly is to remember all of this is from allah there is there there's a book called don't be sad and i forgot forget the author Hamza, you might know the author the author don't be sad of the i think dr al-qani is it Bakr Abu Zaid, maybe? I've got it somewhere behind me. I can't, I can't remember. But it's a very famous book, alhamdulillah. And I was reading that book and there was, a, there was a quote in it. And it was basically saying, you have to, Allah bless the author for making this amazing book. And he said, and you have to accept the qadr, that you cannot basically, there is no, there's no other way around. You have to accept this is your destiny. Mm-hmm. And once you accept this is your destiny, everything will start to become easy. So instead of me going, why, why, why is this happening to me? And it was just, this is happening to me. And this was always going to happen to me. And this is happening to me, basically. Mm. Um, another thing I learned through, um, through actually from Sheikh Mohammed, as uh, Hamza mentioned earlier, was he was saying to me, I was always getting worried about stuff in the future, anxiety and stuff like that. And he said to me one time, um, Allah, um, it, that, the stuff in the future is in the world of the unseen. Only Allah knows what that is. And when we were talking about this, um, it kind of alluded to me. And when I was kind of like, kind of thinking about it over and over again, Allah only knows what's in the world of the unseen, but Allah can change anything in one second. So everything, who knows what beauty, happiness, what type of bright future is ahead. We cannot judge ourselves on what we're currently going through. Mm. What is in the future is up to Allah and it, and you have to be positive in Allah. Allah wants the best for us. So the the future is is bright. The future is, is full of happiness. Um, so don't ever think that the current situation is what it's always going to be like. It, there's It's going to go up and down. And mm-hmm. alhamdulillah, with Allah is the best way to stay. And it's that shelter through the storm that you can really rely on. And that's where, mm-hmm. that's where the, the staying with Allah is where kind of that bright future lies. Mm, mm. I think staying with you Adam it would be amazing if you shared a little bit more just I'm thinking for uh, people that may have not um, seen you before or know Mm -hmm. a little bit more about your journey just in terms of in the beginning when and how you realize okay you know what this is getting to the point where I do need to seek help Um, like um, this is or when were you even even able to sort of diagnose and say this is anxiety, this is depression, these are intrusive thoughts? Was it was it when you went to see the when you when you went to see the therapist, or before that were you kind of thinking actually, this isn't what I want to my 
you know my 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 life to be i got you um yeah i can pinpoint the exact moment i was sitting on the tube and i obviously had all these intrusive thoughts which are part of which is which it was ocd basically if anyone Mm -hmm. doesn't know um it's a it's a type of ocd called pure o um and you have these i guess disturbing thoughts that pop into your head all the time and usually people without ocd these thoughts will come in they go out the other end that's it but with someone with ocd it stays and you obsess over it Mm. um and we can't control our thoughts we have thousands and thousands of thoughts a day um and it's just ramblings of the mind um but with someone with ocd these stay and they they're like you kind of ponder on it and it stays and you obsess about it so this kind of process got was getting more severe and severe for me and one time i was sat on the tube and i was like i have to kill myself this is the only way out of this and that obviously is a massive sign to think something is definitely wrong you we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't i shouldn't have this feeling that this is the only way out so but the most difficult thing at that point was to call my mum and I was crying on the phone. I was like, mum, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. It was very difficult for me to talk to my mum about that. Mm. And then you could put anyone in this position. You can, it could be your dad. It could be your brother, sister, a, a dear friend or your teacher. Um, but I knew at that point I, I just needed, I needed an Islamic therapist because I was, I was, I was, I just knew it, it was something, the nature of intrusive thoughts. I, there was, we have this kind of like, um, what's worse as well. And there's a lot of kind of, ingrained here and even before that i thought is this uh is this um do i need ruqiyah is this um is this some like jinn type thing and alhamdulillah at the time i was studying quran in um, uh, quran school so i talked to one of the amazing teachers there mashallah and he was asking me a few questions he was like this doesn't seem like that and i was like okay well kind of that that's that's like knocked out of the kind of proceedings of what this could be so it must be mental health and then Basically, what happened then, after I kind of chatted to my mum, she found Alhamdulillah a therapist for me. Um, and I chatted to the therapist the next day on the phone. She was like, yeah, this is this is this sounds like OCD. It sounds like intrusive thoughts. Google it. And we booked a session for Saturday. Alhamdulillah, that basically saved my life. Allah bless my mum and my therapist at the time. They were amazing. And ever since then, I've been to therapy. I've been in and out of therapy with three different therapists because things got a bit more severe. Um, I needed to kind of seek a bit more treatment in certain areas mm. i went on medication um but throughout this whole time it it was always seeking islamic knowledge as well it was always trying to understand it was never just one side therapy is going to fix me i always had to have that reliance in understanding what allah has ordained for me understanding um the quran as well it is a literal cure it is literal it's, it's not just something like and I would urge everyone to not just play it. If you can't recite it, you need to recite it on your, on your, it needs to be from your lips, alhamdulillah. And I can't stress enough that the Quran, it keeps your head above water. It's not something which is like a one-off thing. And if you don't know how to recite it, like me, I didn't know, there's plenty of schools, alhamdulillah. And you can even do it remotely. So basically from all of that, cutting the story a bit short, all these things put together i'm now in a position now where i can manage my mental health manage ocd manage anxiety a bit better um and i kind of through all of that i've developed principles for myself that i can also pass on to others to kind of help um get through those really kind of sticky times mm-hmm. amazing um i want to ask you another question adam just yeah. off of the, off the back of what you mentioned about how difficult it was to speak to your mother mm-hmm. i wonder did that come from a place of just your personal relationship with her or or do you think there was some sort of overarching thought about oh there's going to be some stigma or there's going to be some misconception here um about mental health um 
Mm -hmm. do you think that's there just generally and and yeah just just i thought of that when when you mentioned how tricky it was um it was i alhamdulillah i have a i can probably open up to my mother about most things alhamdulillah which is which is which is amazing alhamdulillah um but this specific example was more about active desperation because i had no idea what to do Mm. um it was like a lifeline i had to had to choose um it was extremely uncomfortable um it wasn't nice at all but in these moments, you have to be brave. You have to be brave and you have to take, you have to do uncomfortable things for you to get better. That can be taking medication, that can be talking to someone, that could be going to the GP. We have to be brave and we have to do uncomfortable things to get better. Um, I would say the brave and the most, the most courageous things to do is to confront things rather than to keep hidden away. So if anyone is going through these issues, you really have to be brave and confront it. and as I said, like things will get better. Things don't get better by themselves with no action. Alhamdulillah. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Hamza, um, similar question to you about, do you think that there is stigma, um, about, about mental health and and sharing that, 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 you know, we go through mental health problems, um, amongst Muslims and how do you think we need to overcome that? Is it just being brave and actually being vulnerable and open and sharing it with our family and friends if we're going through something difficult? No, 100%, 100%. It's about uh, being brave and, and taking that step. I know it's hard. That's why, you know, hats off to Adil, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him because, you know, being in that situation that he was in, and to be honest with you, Adam, in this regard, is literally what he done. He's a role model in this regard. Take that step and be brave. Yeah. Definitely, definitely with Adam. And the more people who are brave and make that step, the less that this stigma will will stay around. Will, hopefully, it will go by then if people are you know taking that step. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe just um, um, question to both of you really to share how. Um, are there sort of daily practices that you do to, to, to help maintain maintain your mental health, um, you know, in a good place? Because I think sharing those as well and with family and friends or daily things that we do um, is another way to sort of raise awareness about, you know, we need to look after our mental health just like how we look after our physical health. Um, it might be even more important. Um, yeah, it would be great to hear you first, Adam. Alhamdulillah. Um, there's a couple of things. Um like generally what I try to do to kind of avoid the anxiety of things is remain in the present. Mm. What as we kind of, I've alluded to before, whatever's been in the past is the color of Allah. It's happened. It was always going to happen. You can't do anything about it. What is in the future is in the world of the unseen. Only Allah knows. Be positive of what can happen. But in the present is where we have to remain. We can't remain in these other two dimensions. Mm. So once you remain in the present, be right here, right now. Don't think about the other two areas once you focus on that alhamdulillah the anxiety kind of drops and if you kind of think Allah this is my story this is what's going to happen whatever's going to happen is going to happen I can only do my best in the present and keep tied to Allah alhamdulillah it kind of calms me down mm-hmm. um the second thing is um a small thing it's not a small thing but once my sister who was um, suffering from mental health mentioned to me she was reciting Surah Al-Baqarah every day. Mm. And I was like, for me, I was just studying and picking it up properly and reading it. Surah Al-Baqarah is a massive surah. I was like, wow, that's difficult. But 
as I was kind of doing, and I just do 30 minutes with my teacher um, every day at MM Jesuit Institute under remotely. So it's very easy for people to pick up. And once I did this, reciting the Quran every day is just amazing. It, it, it's just a, a kind of a light into your heart. And it, it's like a, if we talk about like a barrier to any negativity, it kind of just, it's the literal strength that you can like absorb from, alhamdulillah. So that's one thing, the recitation of the Quran, amazing. Um, and the third thing would probably be being around good company, good people. For example, Brother Hamza, for me. Well, like every time I'm around him, I feel better. And he reminds me of Allah. Um, and it's having that good company kind of brings you up. And that can be family, friends, that can be anyone. Even I've got a cat. Alhamdulillah, I love having my cat. So that company that makes you feel better is, is like a general thing that makes you feel good. And the last thing is probably doing things which make you feel good. Obviously, we're Muslim. We have um, we have guidelines of what we should and shouldn't do. One thing which I urge everyone to do is sport. Some exercise to get your heart rate going is something which always helps me. I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That, again, helps me immerse myself into something different. And again, keeps my head above the water. But these are the things which really help me. And in the center of all of that is the Quran. Amazing. Hamza, same question to you, really. Yeah, to be honest with you, I echo, I echo everything uh, uh, Brother Adam said. To be honest with you, especially the Quran, you know, uh, Allah SWT says, Allah bi al You know, by the, by the dhikr of Allah, the remembrance of Allah SWT, the hearts find true rest. We also have another ayah, You know, we send down, Allah SWT sent down, uh, the Quran as a shifa, you know, a cure for Muslims, and a mercy for Muslims as well, you know, especially if you're going through, uh, not just uh, as Ibn al Qayyim he mentions in the beginning of uh, of the book, Qibb al Nabawi, the prophetic medicine, or the chapter you can say, he says that, you know, uh, illnesses are two types, one in the heart and one in the body. Unfortunately, many people, we don't. As Muslims, we don't always think of the illnesses of the heart as well. So this ayah, as the shifa, you know, the Quran being a cure for Muslims, or for mu'mins, it's not just the cure for bodily diseases, but it's also for the diseases of the heart. You know, so if you purify your heart, you really feel this sense of uh, strength, especially mentally. Um, and yeah, 100%, uh, you know, keeping on time with your salah, um, what Adam said, making sure you're exercising, getting your blood pumping, you know, that is, uh, you know, something um, which is definitely, definitely helps with uh, everyday, you know, keeping away mental health issues or trying to cure mental health uh, issues. But um, also, I'd say uh, doing a dhikr, you know, adhkar mm. with like morning and evening rem remembrance, you know, saying stuff like Bismillah al this specific dua, you say it three times before Maghrib, and three times after Fajr, you'll be protected from all kind of evils throughout the day. Or for example, reciting the last two ayat, the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah at night time before you go to bed, this will protect you from all evil until Fajr time. So it's implementing these kind of things that really, you know, helps you, protects you from evil. And also, when you know that Allah has given you these things to protect you, it strengthens you mentally. Amazing. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your wisdom there. Hamza, just staying with you, I did have a question about um, 
if there's any kind of instances or stories uh, from Hadith or Quran that you could mention where somebody is 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 seeking help, uh, because I'm I'm I I want to sort of highlight that um, seeking therapy or seeking help from those around us, you know, those that we know and those that we don't know, um, can be very helpful and is actually something that is is permissible and promoted in Islam. Yeah. No, definitely. It's just seeking help is permissible. <laughs> if anything, it might even be wajib sometimes. It might even be obligatory, you know. Um, and it is, uh, of course, it's recommended. Um, for example, as you all know, the hadith in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith of the Prophet, which two of his companions came to the Prophet and said, you know, we think of things that we do not dare to say aloud. Things that we don't want to say aloud, you know. Um, so these are kind of bad thoughts that they're having. You can say maybe intrusive thoughts, if, uh, if that's the correct term. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu so this is a proof here that the fact that they came to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and praise be upon him, shows you that they, that they were seeking advice. Not just from anyone, from people who are, or someone who is the most experienced. And so when you're seeking advice, seek advice for someone who's experienced. You know, um, yes, we're saying seek advice, but we don't want people to go to, for example, if you feel like you're having mental health issues, don't go to any old Joe that may not really understand, uh, or should I say any old Habib, uh, who may not understand um, mental health issues and so may give wrong advice. So generally speaking, uh, someone who's knowledgeable of Islam, or for example, a Muslim therapist, or for example, someone like Brother Adam, who could basically be a Muslim therapist, um, you know, someone who has experience oh, from that <laughs> hopefully soon inshallah uh, but someone who has experience at the very least someone who has experienced and who is you know, practicing you, you look at them and say you know what I trust this person with my religion so yeah that, that is and, and what was the reply of this, this great leader this experienced person this prophet mm. he didn't scorn them he didn't scorn mm. them up he gave them advice and he told them not to say aloud but rather this proves that they have strong iman because the shaitan is trying to attack him and whatnot so uh, yeah that is an example from the sunnah of muhammad that you should ask for advice and nabi sallam said himself a deen of nasiha you know the religion is advice and the hadith goes on until it says that advising uh, muslims in general is from the religion so if you're going to advise, ensure that someone needs to be asking for advice as well in most situations. So asking advice is, is, is a massive thing in itself. And also, sorry, one more thing they said, um, some of the scholars, they said, it's not a hadith, even though it's attributed to Muhammad Sallam, but uh, they said that ma nadiba man istikhara wa ma khaba man istishara. They said that the one who prays Salatul Istikhara, you know, the Salah when you think and make a decision whoever prays that will never regret their decision and whoever seeks istishara meaning advice and counsel from people then they will never be destroyed and never be destroyed so that is from uh, you can maybe say it's from the sayings of the previous scholars amazing to, to hear that thank you um 
another another interesting question I wanted to ask was um, thinking positively about Allah and, and, and his qadr, which we've already mentioned, um, especially with Adam. Um, but I wonder if it could lead Muslims to think that actually um, we shouldn't be experiencing any kind of despair and negative emotions at all. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he taught us what to say and what to do when we are hit by sadness or an affliction. And he also taught us a dua to protect us from sadness. So him teaching us this in and in itself proves that Muslims will be afflicted by such things. Um, the Prophet Muhammad taught us uh, a specific dua. He said, if something happens to you, say, then say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Allahumma ajurni fi musibati. Uh, wa akhlif li khayran minha. And he says, which he said, whoever says when an affliction hits them or something that's very difficult, hardship, maybe it's someone's passed away or you lost your job or you're going through mental health issues, they say, Indeed, we belong to, we are owned by Allah SWT and we are going to return back to Him. Allahumma ajurni fi musibati. Oh Allah SWT, reward me. Or going through this hardship. Mm. And give me something better than it. Whoever says this dua, as Prophet Muhammad said, Allah SWT will reward him. He'll give him ajr. He'll give him good deeds because of the hardship that he went through. And then he will give him something better or her something better. So if anything, this thing is, is good for this person. Going for that hardship is good for this person. And that's why Muhammad he said, you know, he said that it's strange the matter of the Muslim. Everything that happens to him is good. If he goes through a hardship, he stays patient, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him Jannah and will forgive him all the sins. If uh, if he goes through a hardship and he thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or he's being given goodness and he thanks Allah, then He'll be made from the shakirin, you can say. People thank Allah and he'll be given Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him more. So it's almost anything that we go through is good for us. As Muslims, anything that we go through is good for us. Uh, as for Qadr, then yeah, 100%. You know, um, I was speaking uh, to uh, one of my good friends, uh, Abdurrahman, uh, Ustad Abdurrahman, uh, Hamush, Jazairi, here in uh, Islamic University. And he was mentioning, subhanAllah, Quite a few benefits, quite a few points of uh, qadr and accepting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qadr. Uh, and you know, one main thing he said was, I believe it was Ibn Qayyim, one of the scholars of the past, they said, Al Qadru Sir Allah. They said that the qadr, the predestination, you can say, uh, or the something pre pre uh, defined, you can say, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's secret. So we can understand its levels because it has four levels to Qadr. We accept all of them. And we can see its effects in our life and we believe in it 100%. But to truly know it inside out, to truly understand the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in regards to its secrets, hmm. we can't understand it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows his Qadr. We don't know the Qadr. And so that's why it's a sir of Allah. It's a secret. And so diving into these topics, uh, specifically, Someone thinking, oh, is this Qadr? Or can I, you know, you know, sometimes it just 
fools people or people fall into despair when they overthink these things. But no, definitely, we, we believe in Qadr and anything that happens to you, it's good for you. As a Muslim, mm. it's good for you. One, one, one thing I wanted to ask, um, Brother Hamza, quickly is there's, there's a hadith about um, expiation of sins if you go for a trial. I think, do you know the hadith I'm talking about? Um, the, the needle, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, there, there are a couple of hadith on it. Yeah, so although the one question I had in a part, Brother Hamza can explain this much better than me. The trials you have in this life, the pain that you have in this life, will Allah reward you for that pain for going through it in the next, is what I'm saying. Is that is that from the, the hadith and the sunnah? Yeah, so from the same hadith. Allahumma jurni fi musibati. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah, you're asking Allah here, you're making dua, Allah reward me for the hardship I'm going through. I mean, there's always famous uh, story that Al Shaykh Shaykh Muhammad mentions here of Ummi Salama. Maybe mm. you remember it. No, please, know. please remind me. <laughs> please go. Ummi Salama, radiallahu anha. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with her. Amen. When her husband passed away, Abi Salama, um, it was very difficult for her. Of course, again, grief. Um, the grief happened to the Sahaba. You know, they went through sadness. So, and Nabi Sallallahu taught her this dua. The dua we mentioned before, oh Allah, give me something better in it and reward me for going through it. Uh, she said this dua and as a result uh, she ended up marrying the Prophet Muhammad so she was given something or someone better than Abi Salama who was a great man she was given the Prophet Muhammad as a husband so this dua is very it's, it's very uh, powerful it's a special dua um, maybe we can put it in the description for people or something like that so that people can memorize this dua, memorize this supplication and really implement it in their lives. Amazing, amazing. Um, I guess, uh, uh, Hamza, before we, you did mention, you just touched on the, the diseases of the heart. And it's a very big, broad question here. But I did, I, I wondered if you could share some more of your knowledge about common diseases of the heart and how we might go about dealing with them even if even if you just touched on a few uh yeah the, the diseases of the heart are many you know again i just want to highlight the importance of this people they think the diseases are only the diseases of the body you know you have a flu you have a you may have more serious diseases or uh, you know things such as cancer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from such diseases mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all the Muslims who have these diseases. Uh, but the disease of the heart, in many ways, are more severe. Why? Because if disease disease of the dunya, maybe the most extreme ones will cause you to die. But the fact is, we're all going to die. And if you're patient on it, as a Muslim, as the uh, Baba Adam said, your sins will be forgiven for going through this a disease of the body and then you'll be entered into Jannah inshallah but as for the diseases of the heart then they affect your dunya but they also affect your akhirah your next life will affect where uh, you'll be whether in Jannah or Jahannam and also how long you'll be there as well so it's very important it's extremely important and the Muslim gives a massive regard to the true Muslim the true Muslim gives a massive regard to their heart so much so that Umar, Umar, the second Khalifa, 
the second closest person to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam married his daughter, Hafsa radiallahu anha. She, uh, Umar radiallahu anha, used to fear that he was from the hypocrites, the mafiqeen. And the hypocrites, they have issues with their hearts. They have issues. They have a blackened, you can say, blackened hearts. They don't truly believe. Yeah. He wasn't talking about those ones who, because there's two types of hypocrites, uh, especially in that time. Not the ones that they would leave the salah or they pray on their own, in their own mosque as they used to before the mosque, Masjid Dara. Or, for example, they didn't believe anyway. No, he's not talking about them. He's talking about the second type. The one who truly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they believe in the religion of Islam and they practice Islam, but their characteristics suggest that they are hypocrites. The four, specifically four characteristics that we have from the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad. And so he feared that he was one of them. And that is a type of disease of the heart. So if Umar feared, then who are we? Umar in which Nabi said, if there was going to be a Prophet after me, it'd be Umar. It'd be Umar. And so we as Muslims really need to focus on our hearts. Uh, the hearts, you know, the issues of the hearts, what you say, the diseases of the hearts aren't just one or two. There's many. You know, you have kibah, you have arrogance, hypocrisy, uh, ajib, which is, you know, thinking good of yourself, thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm something special. Or for example, uh, you know, hasad, jealousy. You know, so it's, there's a lot. Um, the question is, I'm guessing this is your next question. And we're going to jump the gun a bit. How to deal with it? How to deal with issues of the heart? Mm-hmm. And the first thing is first reading the Quran. Not just reading the Quran, but doing tadabbur. This thing called tadabbur, which is pondering, understanding the meanings of the Quran, understanding what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to tell you, or is telling you, and, is, and what he wants you to understand of the Quran. Also seeking Islamic knowledge. Seeking Islamic knowledge removes these kind of uh, blackness, removes the mm-hmm. sins from, from the heart, especially and specifically if you act upon this knowledge. Because if you don't act upon this knowledge, what's the point? So, yeah, it's, it's important. And also, I'd say general reminders, you know, uh, general Islamic reminders, talking about the Day of Judgment, talking about the Dajjal, these kind of things that are move us as Muslims. It definitely does hit your heart, especially the ayats, the verses in the Quran that speak about Jannah. For example, if you read Surah Al-Insan, we, you know, we read it uh, for Salat Al-Fajr on the second raka'ah, the second unit of prayer uh, on a Friday. You know, Surah Al-Insan, when Allah SWT is speaking about Jannah, and what you'll get in it, these kind of stuff softens your heart and it makes you want to return back to Allah SWT and keep yourself pure. Allah SWT purify our hearts um thank you so much both of you um we've we've touched on several ways of sort of strengthening our connection with allah but i wondered if either of you wanted to to share anything more um and add or highlight anything more um when it comes to strengthening that connection with allah and and how how we might be able to to do that okay do you want me to i'll, I'll do a quick one first but i can go into the much more needed detail um <clears throat> i would say sincerity is massively important um because like sometimes we unconsciously do things to please other people for other reasons and with social media it's very difficult for that to the sincerity to be there but once you sincerely do something for the sake of allah um and 
there's so many blessings that can come from it. For example, if I'm studying Quran and I want to recite it because um, it's still speech of Allah, um, I do it for that reason. And um, I do it for myself also, but I don't do it for other people or anything else like that. So that sincerity is such a beautiful thing. And so many blessings can come from just being purely sincere. And sometimes we have to check ourselves as well. Like my intention of doing this, why, why am I doing this? And once you kind of check yourself like that, alhamdulillah, and the sincerity comes through and you know you're, you're inshallah you're doing something purely for the sake of allah and it's generally it's a it's properly sincere from your heart there's nothing but good can come from it inshallah 100 agree no yeah. as we say you know uh, adam he uh, he came with goodness before we could even think about it he came before us and actually the, you know brother adam is right because the intention the near the good intention is Mm. it should actually be the first thing you mentioned um, but yeah you're right having that good intention that is why Bukhari in his book Sahih in his Sahih in his authentic book um, where he gathered the hadith or hadith of the Prophet the first hadith he mentions is indeed actions but by intentions he mentions the hadith and so whatever you intend you're going to get you know and that is why the scholars they say that uh, as Ibn Qayyim he says Allah SWT helps the Muslim according to how strong his intention is as well as his motivation and determination. You know, if you have these three, these three things, they'll help you even more. They'll help you and depending on how strong they are, they'll help you even more. And that's why the scholars, they also said that that the, the intentions, having good intentions is, uh, you know, the business of the scholars. Because then, if you have good intentions in anything you do that is permissible, or even obligatory, or even sunnah, then you'll be rewarded for it. So, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you, Brother Adam. And this should have been the first thing we mentioned, but may Allah forgive us. Um, I guess I'm, we're slowly coming to the end of my questions for both of you. Um, I wanted to start uh, with Hamza. Um, uh, please feel free to, to add anything else on that, that you wanted sort of our viewers or listeners to take away from the podcast. But my final question was really to ask you about um, if we have listeners or viewers who are interested in seeking more knowledge and, and studying Islam, what advice would you would you give give them? Yeah, no, that, that is really important. Um, especially if we're saying that, you know, seeking knowledge helps with your mental health. But we're not going to give them any avenues of, no, you're definitely right. Um, look, no matter where you are, you have the ability to seek knowledge. Alhamdulillah, nowadays we have uh, we have online classes. Um, you know, we have uh, you can say YouTube um, for platforms to seek knowledge. Uh, we have generally in the UK or anywhere in the world, generally you have knowledgeable people. In the UK, alhamdulillah, we have quite a few. We have our graduates of, of uh, Islamic University. Hmm. We have graduates from outside of the Islamic University that have studied outside. Else, elsewhere, you can say, in Saudi Arabia, or even some people have studied in other uh, Muslim countries, such as you know Jordan, Sheikh uh, Mohammed or for example in Egypt or Kuwait, uh, you know, or other Muslim countries. So, um, uh, one of the best ways, if you're in the UK, uh, look at this is uh, hopefully this is not being me being biased, but uh, the best place to seek knowledge nowadays is Medina. You know, um, why? It's because since the time of Hansa it's been a you know a place of knowledge 
And there's a hadith that suggests that as well. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, whoever comes to my masjid, meaning Masjid al-Nabawi, the prophetic mosque in Medina, and he, in order to learn something or to teach something, then he is like a mujahid, fi sabilillah. He's like uh, someone who's was a mujahid. Someone who's going to go out and fight for the sake of Allah. But he didn't even do it, you know, he's not doing the same actions, but he's still getting the same reward. And so that suggests that Masjid al-Nabawi in Medina will be a place of knowledge. And it was during the time of Sahaba, even after the Prophet Muhammad passed away, it was a place of knowledge. You had the Abadi, you know, the you know, the scholars of Medina. You had uh, even after them, you had Imam Malik, you know, uh, the as we say, you know, he was the Alim Dar al Hijrah and he was a scholar of Medina. And then throughout the times you can see generally Medina being a place of knowledge. So even till today, Alhamdulillah it's a place of knowledge. Um, if you can try to apply for the Islamic University of Medina, um, if you get in touch, I'll, I'll try to do as much as I can, inshallah, to help you. Um, if you can't get into the university, then there is Ma'had uh, al-Nabawi, which is like a, which is like an institute within Mr. Nabawi that you can apply for. Um, if not, then you, alhamdulillah, we have these new tourist visas now, which is amazing, amazing uh, for people who want to come and seek knowledge. You can come to Medina, or anywhere in Saudi Arabia for three months, you know, just focus on knowledge for three months in Saudi Arabia on this tourist visa and really benefit from your time, benefit from the scholars. Um, you can go to Egypt, you can study online from Egypt, you can go to Kuwait. Alhamdulillah, I actually, if anyone does want to study in Kuwait, then maybe they can get in contact with me and I can uh, kind of sort up because uh, they have like a three uh, months uh, kind of course, three months at a time course. You can study, and it is organized by the Kuwaiti government as well. So anyone, we can, um, inshallah, help them to get them set up there. Uh, and the main thing is to not think that, because I'm not in Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Jordan, that you can't seek knowledge. No, seeking knowledge starts from now. You know, benefiting from people in the UK, if you are in the UK, benefiting from people in the UK, such as Sheikh Muhammad Farouni, you know, our teacher. Um, and anyone else, even US or Canada, benefit from the people who are around you first. Make sure you're 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 seeking that authentic knowledge from the Quran, mm. and then you know try to push yourself to to make a you know travel to seek knowledge. But generally, those are the main things. And if I so if I could just add on that, um, mm. for people who are kind of lesser foundational, kind of getting the basics right, like me, Alhamdulillah, mm. there's as Brother Hamza said, there's a lot of places in the UK where you can do it online. You can reach out to people. And it's also important for us to invest in our own knowledge of it. Say it is, I don't know, 50 pounds for a term or something like that. Mm. Alhamdulillah, just make the effort to just pay it and you'll you'll get reward for it. Sometimes as as Muslims, as people, we don't want to pay for things. We go, oh, it should be free. Why is the class not free and whatnot? But sometimes when you pay, it motivates you more. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, for me, I didn't even know, I couldn't even read one letter of the Arabic language at one point. Um, and that my access to Quran was was basically blocked. But when you take the step to do it and you really want to kind of just learn from it, um, Allah makes way for you. So just you just got to try and invest in it. Um, and I think, as Brother Hamza said, the authentic places to seek knowledge is important. So try and get a teacher who has ijazah in something, who is certified in, in, in this area you, you're learning. And also take the initiative to try and learn the Arabic language as well, because that is obviously is the key to kind of accessing a lot of a lot of the of the treasures of Islam, inshallah. Mm, inshallah. 
Um, and Adam, I guess my, my final question to you, um, thinking more along mental health lines, mm-hmm. for, for, for viewers or listeners, what would be your kind of major takeaways for, for, for our viewers or listeners in terms of the conversation that we've had today in terms of mental health? <clears throat> I think the underlying point is the purely mental health side of thing is be brave. Um, do not, you have to confront the storm when it comes to you. And that could be in many different forms. That could be speaking to someone that could be, um, being honest with yourself. That could be going to the GP that could be really kind of reflecting on yourself. I need help. And once you be brave, even though it is a difficult hurdle to get over, you can, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just that constant step of I've got to be courageous and take this step to heal myself and find a way to get better and inshallah it will get better but it is it is a journey you have to go through and it's with any it's just like your physical health if you have a broken bone you have to take the steps needed for rehab you need to take the medication you need to get better um physical health and mental health require the same thing so be brave in your recovery or your treatment inshallah 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 thank you so much both of you i wondered if there was any any last last kind of uh comments or thoughts that you wanted to share um hamza um alhamdulillah i think we've, we've mentioned a lot uh and i again you know mashallah i echo adam's brother adam's advice really push yourself be brave make the steps whatever you need to do do it you know don't don't delay because the more you delay the more severe mental health issues get you know so make sure you, you you seek help as, as fast mm. as you can. Seek help from, uh, again, authentic sources of someone who is experienced in, in the field and, and is someone who you can trust with your religion. Go to them, seek advice, don't delay it. Amazing. Thank you so much, both of you. Jazakallah um, it's been It's been a really useful conversation for myself, I know for one, and, and inshallah, inshallah, it will be for our viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for watching this episode of the Mindful Muslim Podcast. Inshallah, you found it a useful one. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Mindful Muslim Podcast.